The Spoiler Alert podcast is brought to you by Jewelry Made by Claire on Etsy. Visit etsy.com slash shop slash jewelry made by Claire. That's one word, jewelry made by Claire. Claire spelled C-L-A-R-E. And check out her jewelry creations. Listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Spoiler Alert Podcast. Welcome back. It has been a pause. This is Mike. I'm happy to be back recording another episode with friend of the pod, Ellen. Ellen, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be back. Um, it's been a while. I'm, I'm happy that you're recording again. I'm happy that I'm recording again. It's been over a year since you were on the podcast. It's been many months since Spoiler Alert has recorded any podcasts. And tonight, fittingly enough, on episode 299, we're talking about Jojo Rabbit, a movie that you and I actually saw together well oh my over a year ago. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my we, god. We were at a, a theater in Texas that I was only at mm-hmm. the one time. Did you ever, you'd been there before. Did you go back again after that? Because after that, the world shut yeah. down. Was there another movie you saw there? No, yeah, we did. So, yeah, Jojo Rabbit came out in, what, 2019? So we still had quite some time to see movies. It came out in the beginning of 2019, I think. We saw it in, it came out in 2019. We saw it in we saw early it. 2020. Yeah. Because of the award cycle, right? Um, yes. It doesn't feel like it was last year. It feels like Jojo Rabbit was a full two years ago. It, everything feels weird now. But yeah, we so we saw this movie in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, yeah, it, it wasn't long after that that the world shut down and we didn't get to go to movie theaters anymore. So even though there were still some movies coming out in 2020, this was one of the last, one of the last maybe five movies that I saw in a movie theater. That's crazy. No, I definitely saw other movies after this. I don't know if in that theater that we went to, I, oh, I'm still so sad about it. I mean, obviously there's many things to be sad about with COVID, but I had been on the waiting list to get the Alamo Draft House season pass. And I was one of the lucky few selected to be like in the first like beta round of having that on the oh, app. No. And I got to see, I used it three times before everything shut down. Oh. I saw um, I saw The Invisible Man, which turned out to be like really good. Um, and then I saw Emma twice because I'm obsessed with that movie. Um, but yeah, I'll uh, just counting the days to where I can like get back to going to see a movie at Alamo Drafthouse whenever I freaking feel like it. <laughs> that place was amazing. Explain to me what that the season pass would have been. It was like you pay a, an annual subscription it was like, to all the movies you want? Yes, it was like Movie Pass. The, okay. you know, RIP Movie Pass, the ill-fated app that we all had disaster. where I paid like a... Yeah, yeah disaster. <laughs> but Alamo was trying to do their own version of it where you paid a monthly, I don't even remember if it was monthly or annual. I paid a fee, and then I literally got to see, like, one movie every day. And I saw Emma twice, so, like, in their initial 
you know, beginnings, they were allowing you to see the same movie over and over again. Um, but we'll never know. Maybe someday we'll know how it shakes out for them, like f- business model wise. Um, Cause you, you have to go use it at an Alamo draft house. So like maybe that kind of incentivizes. And of course it being a theater where you can drink and order food, they still end up in the green, even if they're losing a little bit of money on the, the end of like tickets. So I bet it works out for Alamo. I don't know what the movie scene is like in Dallas now, but I can tell you Madison is is pretty sad. I took my kids this weekend to the first movie that I've gone to a theater uh, to see in, in ages, and we saw Tom and Jerry, and it was actually mm-hmm. better than expected. But the Flicks Brew House, which was my favorite theater in town, which is as close to Alamo as you get in Madison, has not reopened since they shut down a year ago. And so I have to think that they're done. And that's that's sad. The yeah. theater that we saw that was at a, at a Marcus. And they're, you know, pretty it, they're they're definitely respecting the social distancing and, and keeping you cordoned off pretty well. But you know, it's quiet and weird in there. It's just a, a different a different movie-going environment, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, living in Texas, it is Texas, so things never really fully shut down here, um, being the giant red state that it is. Um, but there were some theaters that I think... Obviously, the DFW Metroplex is huge, and there were some that bound to have closed. I didn't really pay too close attention to that, Um we didn't try to go to too many movies. We, uh, uh, the the Alamos were on and off closed, not closed, you know, closed, and then like adhering to social distance kind of stuff. Um, over the holidays, my parents came to visit, and we went and saw News of the World at the Angelica, which is like this little yeah, art like house theater. One. Yeah, I love the Angelica. Um, yeah. And yeah, they just they were selling seats spaced out. Um, I'm glad that little theaters are staying open, surprisingly, when the AMCs are having to close. I guess because AMCs and Cinemarks have much more overhead. Um, right. And little theaters have always worked on low profit margins anyways. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the Angelic is doing okay, because that was always my favorite spot to go to. Oh, um, good. Yeah. But News of the World, surprisingly, surprisingly good Western. I actually really enjoyed it. Is that a uh, is that an Apple movie, iTunes movie, or was that just a theatrical I release? Think I thought so. that, I didn't know how I could stream that one. I don't know if you can. I think it was a theatrical release. Okay. Yeah. How have you survived the winter storm? You've been on national news, and I've been <laughs> thinking of you the past few weeks. Um. Yeah. Crazy, crazy things happening in our state. Um. Yeah. Truly, a sign of climate change into the world apocalypse i don't know but it's uh as if we as if we needed another reason to think that the world was ending yeah 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 finish hammering in the nail with that uh but no we fared pretty well cameron and i um my husband and i bought a house this past year and we got exceedingly lucky that this house i think happens to be in close proximity with i think a fire station or two we okay. never lost power, um, so we were able to keep the heat on, which meant that the water was able to keep running because we didn't really have frozen pipes. Um, 
So we got exceedingly lucky with that front. We had a couple of friends come stay with us who opposite situation. They lost power. They had a bunch of pipes burst. Um, they're still with us as they're going through a ton of home repairs. And um, oh, boy. we're just, you know, but as you know, I've taken in a friend who needed a place to stay before. So it's kind of become like our thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really happy to hear that you guys stayed safe and healthy throughout the we stayed safe the craziness in texas the last week since we last talked we managed to have some fun that's great the dogs enjoyed every second of it oh yeah cameron's grandpa they live on a in a neighborhood that has a really great hill and years and years ago he bought some sleds thinking the snow's gonna come one day it's gonna come eventually finally did That's great. And it did. And we went sledding like a bunch of little kids. It was fantastic. And since you and I last spoke on the podcast, as you mentioned, you got married and bought a house. So congratulations on both of those. Thank you. I don't recommend planning a wedding in 2020 if, uh, <laughs> for anyone out there. Luckily, we have I still don't even us. recommend planning it in 2021. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got married. And had to postpone the reception till later this year. So hopefully we can all party this this fall. Excellent. Hopefully no snowstorms that weekend. So we can we can all party together then. If there's a snowstorm in San Antonio, Texas in October, then yes, it will be the end time. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ellen, it's so great to have you back on the podcast. We're here to talk about Jojo Rabbit. I'm assuming, because I know you loved it then, did you rewatch it in advance of the podcast? Did you watch it a couple of times throughout the past year? I rewatched it about a month ago and then a night ago. I watched it, we watched it recently, um, a couple months ago, and then I didn't do a full rewatch right before this, um, but I've seen it a few times since. Okay. Um, yeah, I still love this movie so much. Um there's you know it came out in a year that was just really fantastic it and was last time i was on your podcast i predicted that parasite would win best picture and we're still talking about that that's great know. yeah you you won <laughs> got it yes you you knew you called it <laughs> um but it was a fantastic year i think 2019 will be a year that we we talk about in the future uh with of course parasite and jojo rabbit uh, 1917, Little Women. It was a, it was a fantastic year. I mean, the the list continues to go on, but it was, um, it's amazing that that this story for got made at all. Like only Taika Waititi could like walk into any kind of pitch meeting and be like, "So I'm going to play Hitler, and it's going to be hilarious, <laughs> and also heartbreaking and beautiful." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk a little more about that because I know very little about him. Uh, on the Spoiler Alert podcast in episode 73, you reviewed What We Do in the Shadows, which has now become uh, a series, Love a television series. So much. Mm-hmm. And the guy's hilarious. I mean, he's hilarious in that movie, he's hilarious in this movie. But I know very little about him other than he directed my favorite Marvel movie, which was Ragnarok. So that's mm-hmm. what I know about Taika Waititi. But I think you're a fan of this guy. Yeah, I I think he's just... I mean, he's, he's a bit of a... 
bit of a genius when it comes to, like striking that right tone with comedy um yeah what we do in the shadows was i mean mockumentaries were obviously a thing but it was kind of ahead of its time a little bit in the way that like it combined such perfect like deadpan comedy with um like utter silliness and like i think that's what he gets right is like true silly humor but like make it cool and uh and then it goes back to like you know the flight of the concord days like real early stuff with him um and jermaine and just like i don't know he just he he's he's got it and i think that hollywood is doing right by like allowing him to have these huge budget things like thor ragnarok uh but also like make things that he wants to make like jojo rabbit that like literally no one else could do or would do (laughs) his portrayal of hitler is absolutely hilarious and i think that that has got to be one of the toughest (laughs) lines i mean that's not a sentence we thought we would ever say yes yeah i mean it is absurd that he can pull this off i mean I'm, i'm trying to think like when it comes to this subject matter so charlie chaplin did a, a hitler parody in you know the the 30s it, you had christoph waltz winning an oscar for playing a cute lovable nazi in inglorious bastards a few years back but like this is a really a really delicate <laughs> balance that you need to strike when you're talking about nazis and making Absolutely. jokes and his portrayal of hitler is is laugh out loud ridiculous funny it's it lampoons it so well like it's such a great like i mean the def it's such a great definition of satire i mean like completely takes the machismo and the like insane bravado that like hitler relied on to be such a diabolical person yeah. and turns him into like a big fat joke he, he um, plays him like slightly effeminate, uh, definitely aloof, and and I think mm-hmm. that it's it's just such a a perfect chord that he strikes with this portrayal and, of Hitler. And it, but it it fits so perfectly with with the story that that this is the imagination of what a at the end of the day a really sensitive young boy sees as like the ultimate man. He, you know what I mean. Um, and it, it brings that, like, that really kind of like tender heart out of, out of little Jojo. Yeah. I love the scene where having him seeing be bullied by his own imaginary friend. (laughs) Right. Right. And I love that he keeps like, uh, the scene where he keeps slapping him away, like stop offering me cigarettes. Like, (laughs) like like he's, he's becoming the actual rational adult in this situation. Like, I don't need your nervous little tics, you you freak. <laughs> yeah. I, I also really love the scene where he's talking about, well, I, there was a point where people thought that I was going to be, oh, look at that psycho. Look at that ridiculous man. And he, <laughs> he can't wait to show off what a great dude he's become. And of course, history tells otherwise. But yeah. Well, it's, it's a really, there's a lot, there's just so many layers. But like, there's a lot in the, the devices that they set up at the beginning of what he believes Hitler is. And it's all these like 
insane things that he, you know, gets to eat unicorn meat. Like, it's something, like, ridiculous <laughs> like that. Like, he gets the finest things in the world. And then, you you know, as you get as Jojo becomes more attuned to the realities of his own life, he starts resenting the idea that his hero gets to be eating unicorn off of fine china when him and his mom have like a slice of bread to share like you know the the reality of his of his fake imaginary friend starts like crashing it down on himself and it's 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 such a well put together story of like a kid facing reality it's oh it's just so great yeah i think that the performances in it are awesome i think that the children actors in it are absolutely excellent what's what's uh children's friend's name i can't remember uh the character's name but he's oh god he's fantastic the english guy he's great yeah they're it's really not a good time to be a nuts right right. (laughs) yeah and and sam rockwell i think that this is his I, i like sam rockwell i felt like his Oscar performance in uh, the Billboard movie. Three billboards. Yeah. Was, I guess, fine and well-deserved, but boy, I, I think that he knocked it out of the park this was here. Better. This was mm-hmm. way better. Scarlett Johansson, maybe a little less, though I love her as an actress. I feel like the accent got to be a little much to me. Yeah. You know... But she, she really, she really delivered the emotions, and I think she was better in this than she was in Marriage Story, which she ended up as like a double nominee. But I figured if she was going to win anything, I would have rather seen her win for this. Um, That is the curse of the Oscars when you enter in both categories; you're almost certain to win neither. And I and you know and I, I've never really been the biggest Scarlett Johansson fan, um, but I was just really blown away. There was there's a few key scenes that just I was really touched by her performance. The bit when she's in the attic talking to um, Elsa, yeah, and then a few of the dinner scenes with JoJo when she turns into his dad. Um, it's on the, it's the silly, makeup. but it's so yeah. touching. Yeah. yeah. And then the bit when they're walking across the canal and she starts dancing and, you know, trying to get him to lighten up. I really liked the scene where she had heard the good news that the allies were winning and she's just pouring herself wine and playing music in the kitchen. (laughs) That was a really fun scene, too. I really like her. I preferred her performance in Marriage Story over this one that year. She was... She was the one character in the movie that I actually, it, like, I really like her as an actress, but I, it, it, her performance to me was a, a little, I don't know, it, it got a little grating on me. The accent the can accents. really get in the way if yeah. you're not, yeah. I can see that. And then, so it's Elsa, who's the the Jewish girl that's Tom- being hidden in the attic. That's her name? Yes. I felt like, I felt like, the introduction of her character was a little too over the top. It was the one scene in the movie that I felt like was a bit too much because Jojo discovers her in the like the in the wall cabinets in in the attic 
and she kind of like jumps out and gets all aggressive. Like she was obviously terrified to be found, understandably, and then gets really super aggressive with this 10 year old boy whom, who I know she knows lives there because it's his mother hiding her there. Like I felt like that whole scene got a little silly. And then I feel like that whole yeah. relationship between the two of them developed perfectly and was really awesome. But mm-hmm. but I feel like that that one scene where they get introduced to one another where he thinks she's a ghost and she's like stalking him throughout the house that that I thought was a little bit unbelievable like I'm trying to put myself in her shoes and I would just be like no you're you're staying where you are and you're not moving like th- that that would be a, yeah. a terrifying moment I see that although I think I mean I maybe her motivation was I have to scare him because she surely knew that he was um a, a bit radicalized he was wearing his uniform go, I think at the time he, he found would go her, tell you know? If she, if he wasn't afraid, she had to scare him into keeping the secret. I don't know. That yeah. mean, I felt like that was kind of the motivation. But she, uh, yeah, she's she's great. Um, the bit where she pretends to be his sister. Oof. That whole scene again. It it goes into what Taika does so well. Of it's it's incredibly dramatic scene, and the tension is so high. But it's ridiculous how they say Hal Hitler like a hundred times and it's like kind of <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> you can't stop laughing. It's like a scene out of Family Guy for like yeah. three minutes. And then you are on the edge of your seat like, oh, somebody's going to die here. Yeah, it's perfect. You're, you're thinking in your head like, did, did they want to be doing this at that time? Like, were they all just sort of annoyed that they had to keep acknowledging... The Fuhrer, yeah. This is so mm-hmm. obnoxious. But they keep doing it's it and they all keep smiling. It, it so speaks to the fear that yeah. everyone had of, of each other. Right, right. Because I could get executed tomorrow if I'm not a perfect little, you know, follower. But it is a perfectly crafted scene. and And I feel like the movie as a whole... Like, I think it starts out as almost like a funny sort of goofy, satirical Wes Anderson sort of camp, right? Like, I think of the Sam Rockwell scene where he's... A lot of center of the frame. Yes, and he's shooting the guns and and Rebel Wilson, it's a great year to be a girl. Like, that's... I mean, it's all so ridiculous. And so it starts like at a 10 out of 10 comedy and just keeps dropping like it never isn't funny but it becomes more and more serious throughout the movie and I think that that scene mm-hmm. was a a perfect mix of the hilarious and utterly terrifying yes absolutely and it does perfectly kind of get you in a mode to switch too because it took me until like the second rewatch but the entire reason that Sam Rockwell enters that scene if you notice, he's carrying Scarlett Johansson's bike back. He yeah. knows what they just did to her. Yeah. And he's going to check on JoJo. And he stumbles upon this inquiry at their house. Um, and maybe I'm just not super perceptive, but it did take me a little bit longer than I am proud to catch on while watching the movie that, like, oh, well, 
Sam Rockwell's character is gay, so he has his own secrets to protect. Right. And the whole bit with him and Alfie Allen, which on the surface is just hilarious, but is like truly like they're looking out for each other and they have their own big secret. And that's why he's willing to kind of turn the other eye at Scarlett Johansson's, you know, liberation propaganda and keep an eye on Jojo. And there's an understanding there. And it, it just adds to these, these layers of this story. And it's just so, so perfectly executed to be an audience member and just be like so like struck by these things as they kind of hit you as as you're watching it's just like oh my god and i think that it's a movie that benefits from the rewatch as well like i, mm, I feel like absolutely. that taking a look at it again a month ago and putting it on again before we recorded was really beneficial to catch a few of those things even down to like the little blue butterfly that jojo has tucked yes. up in his room Yes. And then, of course, you see it again during that. I cry every time. But um, in the shoes, ugh. Yeah, that's that's Gets rough. I'll, that's one of those movies where I'll probably always cry, if not get real close to it. It's just, there's some things that just, ugh, it gets you every time. I'm going <laughs> to say one thing I didn't like before I ask you if there's anything that you disliked. I struggle with... The anachronistic music. And so we start, we bookend it with this. We start out with the Beatles version of I Want to Hold Your Hand, German version of I Want to Hold Your Hand. And mm-hmm. it's it's cut to look like, you know, Beatlemania for Hitler. And the reason that I, mm-hmm. I struggle with the anachronism that. <laughs> is, is that it's... It, the Beatles came 20 years after this this era in history. And then it ends with mm-hmm. David Bowie's Heroes, German version of the song, where they're, the, the, the two characters are dancing in the street. And it's mm-hmm. cute and it's funny, but like it, it doesn't fit the time period of the movie. And so I struggled with those a little bit. And... Mm-hmm. The only thing that I could think of is that I read that Taika Waititi had actually worked really hard to commission Paul McCartney to allow the German version of the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand to be used in the movie because he wanted to juxtapose Beatlemania with what was happening in Germany at the time for Hitler. And... Mm-hmm. It reminded me of, I, th- this is so absurd that I'm even going to tell you this, but when I was in high school, I was in European history, and our teacher made us watch, as a part of World War II history, some Hitler speeches. And, mm-hmm. and you see Hitler like rallying up the crowds, and you do them at night, and you have the fires behind him, and you know there's, it, it's all Trump-like crowds in front of him, pumping their fists. <laughs> And my teacher, I remember looking over at him and like his eyes are all wide and he's like rocking back and forth in his seat, like pumping his fist. And I'm like, something is so wrong here. I can't believe what I'm witnessing. Like this needs to be reported. Like this is, this is so wrong. And that is what that opening scene reminded me of on the third watching of it. Where I was like, 
This is why he wanted to pick the Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand, to show how insane people can get for an insane leader. Exactly. I mean, it's... You, that's exactly it. I mean, it's it's ugly how how truthful that is. How swept up people can be. Whether it's something as innocent as loving Paul McCartney or as truly dangerous as following a dictator. I mean, yeah. And I mean, yeah. and the scenes are, like, they even make it look, you know, they keep, like, cutting to, like, the multiple frames throughout that opening sequence of the opening credits. It looks like the Beatles, a hard day's night movie. Like it's, it, it's clearly satirical and supposed to be cute, you know, the way they portray Hitler throughout. But I mean, there's a, there's a serious dark underbelly, obviously below that, that we're, we're supposed to get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a definite choice that he made and I'm glad that it connected with someone like you, who is a huge fan of the Beatles and you're like, this is something that like is not supposed to be corrupted in my mind. Yeah. But right. like that's the point is like everything was corrupted to everybody living in that time and it's like, you know, there's no other way to like put it in terms that people understand than connected to something that like yeah, it's a to make that to make that metaphor. It it sucks but it's true. And then of course <laughs> He, he bookends it with the David Bowie song at the end as well. And yes. you know, like, it's silly and it's goofy, the two of them dancing in the street. We don't know what their future has for them together, but it's funny and that's how it ends. Sometimes the cutesy-cutesiness of those kinds of scenes get me a little bit. I could appreciate on the second and third viewing the Beatles song at the beginning... I didn't quite get the David Bowie one at the end. That's all right. It was still that felt, a fantastic movie. Yeah, that felt the most Wes Anderson-y to me, that ending. Because um, it kind of reminds me of like the ending of Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> yes. Um, but Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of my all-time favorite movies, so it's like, I don't hate that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Ellen, was there anything that you didn't love about the movie? I, I've, I can clearly tell that this is one of your favorites from last year, which is a great year for movies. And I agree with you on that front. But was there anything that you didn't like? It is hard to say. I am really bad at criticizing movies that I like. Um, I'm an easy uh, audience member. If, if I like the movie, I'm, I have a hard time criticizing. But... Um, I guess uh, I'm not the biggest Rebel Wilson fan. I think she was fine in it. Um, I think that could have been played by kind of any female comedian. Um, I feel like it was okay. They clearly spent their money on like the bigger cast, like Sam Rockwell, Scarlett Johansson. Um, But... She's just one of those actresses that shows up, and I'm like, eh, this kind of takes me out of it. All right, fair enough. But again, she did a, she did a fine job. She only had like what two or three scenes, so. Yeah, I mean, she she wasn't in there a ton, and I, I think she she garnered some laughs when she was in there. I mean, this this movie did it won the uh, adapted screenplay Oscar. 
It was nominated yes. for Best Picture, and I think another five, like below the line, but like production design, uh, music maybe, or a score. It did have a very good score. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Michael Gia, Giacchino, is that his name? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's already an yeah. Oscar winner. It, so it was, it was well regarded in the tech categories and and certainly production design i think was one and costumes um very well deserved i I mean i think that the awards love that it garnered was was well founded and winning adapted screenplay was was a huge victory i think that was that was a a great award for this movie yes absolutely although i will say i was kind of bummed that first reformed did not win adapted screenplay that year um did you see that one with Ethan Hawke plays the priest who kind of has like a crisis of faith about uh, brought on by climate change and some and then like this kind of mega church um, happen like going on in his community. It's a yes. beautiful movie. Yes, uh, um, yes, I did. Th- this was the yeah. It was, this was one, one of my of favorite Hawk. scripts yes. of the year. Yeah, so depressing. Yes. It was never going to win, but the fact that it got nominated, I was just happy for. Um, or was that original? I think it was adapted. It was one of the screenplay nominees. One of your favorites in the screenplay category that year. Yeah, very, very strong script. Um, but insanely sad movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that one was a downer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, Ellen, we would both give our strong, full-throated endorsement to Jojo Rabbit for folks to go and check out if they haven't already a year after the fact but before the next oscars (laughs) go see this movie it was fun yeah and one of the better ones that came out in the last you know 18 months or so yeah in the last couple years this was definitely definitely a top one um i think i had it i'm pretty sure i had it as like my number three movie of that year and i stand by it okay it was fantastic um yeah. I do want to ask you, well, I don't know if you're ready to move on from Jojo Rabbit. I have a couple of questions yes. for you. So obviously this has been a very strange year for movies. Yeah. The, the, most of the big releases, the studio tent poles have been pushed back, which in some ways have kind of opened the door for a wider audience to see more indie film, more kind of art house movies. Um, have you been kind of paying attention to what has still come out have you been um you know really watching what what new releases we have got this year and what what do you think of the crop i finally started catching up recently uh so so far of the big films and of course we had the golden globe awards last night Mm -hmm. the the movies with a lot of buzz that i've seen so far have been nomadland the Trial of Chicago 7, mm-hmm. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I think that's really about it uh, for the past year. Like, as, as far as the, the new crop of awards buzz movies that are coming out right now. What did you think? Uh, Nomadland was entertaining and sad and very indie feeling. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom... Okay. I couldn't quite follow, though it was, uh, the music was great, and 
the set design was fantastic. The performances were really good. I just didn't quite get the story of what was going on in that movie, which is really weird because it's only a 90-minute movie you'd think you'd be able to to understand it all. And, of course, Chadwick Boseman won a Golden Globe last night posthumously for his performance in that. Mm-hmm. I just I just didn't quite get that movie. Trial of Chicago 7 is one of the best movies I've seen in probably a few years. I love Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. And I, I say I know you like Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> I, I think he does no wrong, and and so that film with such a great, uh, such a great cast in that um, was really you know you've got Mark Rylance, you have Eddie Redmayne, you have Sacha Baron Cohen. I mean, it was a really, it was a really power packed movie. With such an incredible script and a cool Frank Langella. subject matter, yeah, and Frank Langella, boy, was he an asshole in that movie? Did you watch this one? Yeah, so I am admittedly a bit behind on a lot of the big award contenders. I've seen Trial of Chicago Seven. I've yet to see Nomadland. Um, I have, se- I did see Judas and the Black Messiah, which I thought was very good. Okay, um, that one. The performances were truly incredible. I'm very glad Daniel Kaluuya won the Golden Globe last night. Um, I think if you can buy stock in people, I'm buying all my stock in those three, Lakeith Stanfield, Daniel Kaluuya, and Jesse Plemons. Um, Fantastic. Um, I thought it was a... I mean, the director, it was his first time directing like a a full-length movie and he did a, he did a very good job but it's produced by ryan coogler and the whole time i was thinking what if ryan coogler was directing this <laughs> like oh really a little yeah i was like ah oh, it would be fr- probably even cooler um <laughs> but no it's it's great to see like a new voice you know get get pushed up by yeah. you know an already established you know director acting as producer um I still really want to see Sound of Metal. I, I know that it's available to yeah. me on Amazon Prime. It's just kind of been on my list, and we just haven't gotten to it. And I, I've heard nothing but, like, really amazing things about it. Um, but, yeah, I think we surprisingly got a good year out of a crap year, if that makes sense. Um, it's sort of amazing what happened in the 11th hour. Yeah. And, like, Promising Young Woman um, was not expecting that to be getting so much praise just based off the trailer that I saw six months ago it looked kind of stupid kind of preachy and like it's it's getting just so much you know buzz and Carrie Mulligan is suddenly like a front runner for the Oscar out of nowhere right, um, yeah which happy to see happy to see yeah I like her so yeah I, I certainly would love to see her get nominated as well it, it makes me glad that we didn't get distracted by you know, whatever huge Disney release we were supposed to get or whatever, you know, like, of course, you know, Wonder Woman still went to HBO Max, um, but like A Quiet Place 2 got pushed back and uh, the James Bond got pushed back. And I I am sad that we didn't, we we have yet to see Dune and we have yet to see Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, those two I was, like, so jazzed for. Um, But we'll get them. (laughs) We'll get get there next year. (laughs) 
Yes, and then maybe we can go back to a theater again and see them together. Yes, I've, if I don't see Dune on a big screen, I'll just be so crushed. Because <laughs> that's one of, I mean, I, Denis Villeneuve, I guess I, um, how you pronounce his name, he's probably one of my favorite current working directors. And I think if anyone could pull off such an insane project like Dune, I think he can. He did Arrival, yes. Arrival, yeah. Blade Runner 2049, yeah. okay. um, Sicario, yeah. But I could, I could go on and on about the industry. We can stop there. <laughs> well, we've got another episode coming up. We can do this again. Absolutely. I will come back anytime and uh, refuse to shut up. <laughs> it has been so great to have you back on the podcast, and it's been so awesome to talk to you again. Yes, it's been, it's been great. It's been too long. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.